The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. Fred Zinke just completed a trade in the mixed LAVR league. Shocker for those of you who know Fred. We'll talk about that in the Art of the Deal next on the Rotowire Fantasy Baseball Podcast. everybody welcome to the rotowire fantasy baseball podcast jeff erickson here with fred zinke uh trader fred as we many people like to call him many many fine people like to call him that fred how are you i'm good i'm excited i got back into the the trading realm of things so that's a place where i'm very comfortable yeah i you you made offers to me way back in april when i was having like a daily injury but uh you know you know i didn't didn't happen not quite sure if it would have helped or not. I forget what the particulars you were. Rem- I, I remember it was um, Jacob. It would not have helped you in the end. It was Jacob deGrom for Paul Goldschmidt. It was when deGrom, just right near the start. So I, I'm at some point, deGrom was healthy pre- when we had those. He was pretty, healthy. Pretty happy I didn't do that trade. That's right. Yes. Yeah. All right. Good. Uh, yeah, I had many other fine issues there. When I lost both short stops, that was fun. Um Lost Jeffrey Springs there too, but and and now Jordan Alvarez. So, but who's counting? Um, yeah, that <laughs> you that's, know, so that's the, why I'm not in first place in that league. That's right. I was going to say you called this Fred's three keys to making trades, and I'm not sure if we're going to count to three, but uh, we can. We already stumbled on one of them, which is like you know, don't take yourself too seriously. Don't take fantasy baseball too seriously. Like when we talked to Grom and Goldschmidt, like that that trade had the potential to blow up massively. For either one of us, mm-hmm. if Degrom had pitched this whole season, he'd probably be the number one overall player, and it would have been an awful trade for me since Goldschmidt's having eh, like a meh kind of season. And then, obviously, with what did happen to Degrom, I shouldn't. I should give Goldschmidt a little credit. He's on pace for about twenty-five, fifteen. That's not bad for. It's fine. Yeah. Um, but anyways, he, it would not have been anything like Degrom over thirty starts or even twenty-five no. starts. It's- anyways, it, it. So the first key not that I was planning on this was uh, is I think don't take yourself or fantasy baseball too seriously. If you want to, if trade feels right, make it. If it works great, if it doesn't work, that's fine. Yeah. Relax. Yes. Uh, Relax. Relax. You're not, but it is true. You're not signing up for a new mortgage or something like that. Have your commitment. You're just, just making a fantasy baseball trade. Okay. So you did make a trade. What was that trade? So in our mixed labor league, uh, which is 15 team Roto, 
uh, I traded uh, Starling Marte and Drew Smiley for Alexis Diaz from your Reds, your and Scott's Reds. I'm not going to jump on the bandwagon. I'm enjoying the Reds, but I'm not going to jump on the bandwagon. That's fine. They're starting to slow down anyhow. There'll be more room later on if you wait. <laughs> They're super fun. I, I'm excited about them. Anyways, uh, yeah, so I traded Marte and Drew Smiley with Scott Pianowski um, to get Alexis Diaz, which for me was like, and for Scott, both of us was a really nice category fit. Um, I'm leading in steals and have only one team kind of even within striking distance and have Ronald Acuna uh, who gets a lot of them. And then a few other guys chipping into beyond Marte. And then Scott is leading with saves and only has one team really within striking distance, but had a lot of room to make up in steals. Yeah. How, how nice to start off with Ronald Acuna. You got the number one pick. Correct. You could have gone Trey Turner. You could have gotten, you know, uh, who else? You know, I guess you could have. Yeah, I mean, you could have gone, gone judge. judge. Yeah, you could have gone. Uh, who else was there? There was a clear top. Jose five Ramirez was there, Ramirez, but like not, I didn't feel like he never really did that. Right? First. People were taking yeah. Jose Ramirez like third or second sometimes, but mm-hmm. I felt like it was Acuna, Turner, and Judge who were getting looks at number one. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Uh, so I would say, like, tip number two: one, don't take it ser- too seriously. Two, find the partner who has the right match for you. Yeah, and for me, that was actually a little bit of a winding process where, um, like, so I had too many steals, and I just looked at my roster, and I felt like, you know, Marte's just not really doing anything for me. And Marte's having a pretty solid season. Like, he's on pace to steal over 40 bases, uh, which I don't know if if many people have noticed, because as far as the Mets go, he's not having a great season. He's kind of just been fine. Um, Mm -hmm. He's hitting 258 with a 649 OPS, so not good for the Mets, but for fantasy, 258 is fine. It's not hurting your batting average, maybe even helping it a little bit. Um, and he's on pace for over 40 steals, maybe even 45. He's currently sixth in the league in steals. Um, you know, he's, his, his runs eh, probably finished in the seventies unless he picks things up. You know, he's not a power guy, although he could hit a little more, I think for power than he has so far this year. But anyways, for fantasy, he's been pretty valuable, uh, but he's just not doing anything for me. All these steals he's getting, aren't getting me any points in the standings. So I felt like someone could use him more than me. And then what I really wanted at first was a home run hitter because I'm second last in home runs. And I looked at teams, including yours, Jeff, that uh, looked that were doing much better in home runs. Than okay. In- I just didn't find like what I felt like, like I could, it would, I didn't feel like what I found was a good fit right. and either for value or like maybe some people were, were doing better in home runs, but it was still tight. So I felt like they probably wouldn't part with a slugger. So then I had to think more creatively. And even though my team's pitching better than it's hitting, I had to look at, you know, where was another category maybe on the pitching side that I can improve on. And for me, that was saves where I felt like I could get four or five more points with a closer. And maybe Diaz can help me with my ratios and even grab me a couple more points in the ratios category. So it was a bit of a winding road to get to Scott. Um, but he was the one who had the lead in saves. And like I say, it wasn't what I initially wanted to do. And then I also kind of like, if we're talking about lessons, so I guess lesson number two is you got to be creative. Yep. You got to expand your mind. Like it, it would make perfect sense for me to just go butt my head against the wall, trying to trade Marte for a power hitter until I finally found a deal, whether the value was bad or whether it took me three weeks or whatever. Um, but I decided that, I didn't do that. Maybe I will finish second last in home runs. We'll see. Maybe I won't improve. 
Uh, yeah. but, but I can I can improve in other categories and they count. Right, same. like saves. Right, and if I can get four more saves points, that's the same as getting four more home runs points. And uh, if all goes right, maybe you get those saves quickly and then you could trade a closer for a maybe. power hitter. Yeah. That's another, yeah. you can find like, they make it a three-part thing. I mean, you and I basically did that a couple a couple years ago. Uh, we made a trade and I I, I got a closer. I, I think I, no, I traded a closer to you, I think. Cause I had picked up Emmanuel Classe that year. Um, and then I think later on, right. yeah, I, I traded for Votto and then I traded yeah. away Votto that year. That's right. And you traded me a Ian Kennedy. A crummy, yes, I, was, I was trying to think of a crummy old closer. <laughs> Ian Kennedy. So, so Ian Kennedy work. killed me last year in the NFBC main event, probably cost me at least one place and maybe two in my individual league because okay. I was chasing saves. So I guess that was payback for me getting having him help me win in labor a few years ago. So maybe, yeah. There you go, karma, yep. cosmic, cosmic things bring it together. Uh, the third part: who initiated the talks? Did you initiate the talks? I did, and one of the reasons I also picked Scott, and I don't know if this needs to be the third tip, but I picked Scott because Scott is typically uh, easy to communicate with. He gets back to you quickly, mm-hmm. and he keeps things like in a straight line when you're talking trade and he's reasonable. So not saying anything bad about anyone else in our league, but I did feel like Scott's one of the people who I would first like to make a trade with, especially because the trade was made on a Sunday night slash Monday morning. I emailed Scott Monday night or Sunday night. We completed the deal first thing Monday morning. Um, I didn't have tons of time. It wasn't like I started on a Wednesday trying to make right. a deal by the end of the week. If I'd done that, maybe I would have gone power hitter and maybe I would have sent offers out to three or four people to see where I could, you know, gain some traction. But, um, but I, I wanted to get something done. And yeah, so I did target Scott, first of all, because the categories fit. And I did take the time to look at Scott's team and make sure the categories fit for Scott, because that's often one of my trade tips. Like, don't center your trade talks around your own team. You got to look at the other person's team. Um, and then, like I said, like I knew if I sent Scott like a 9 p.m., email Sunday night, there's a pretty good chance I would hear back from him Sunday night and probably, you know, within the hour. And I did. And we went back and forth quickly and then wrapped it up first thing did, Monday morning. Did you make a, the, the first offer? Yeah, it was totally um, like, and it, actually that's often when I write articles, one of my other tips is like, you need to put yourself out there. I so, agree. So I, I don't hate no. it, but like, I don't love, and I don't even love, I've done it before and I don't love when I do it. The like, where you send the person the email and it's like, hey, I'm thinking of trading a speedster, like maybe Marte, do you have any interest? Maybe you could, and then like, you just beat around the bush and they write back and they're like, yeah, maybe Marte, if the price was right. And what are you thinking? And you go back and forth and back and forth. So I was like, no, I don't think Scott would enjoy that knowing him and, and I wouldn't either. So initial email was, I'd like to trade Sterling March. I want to trade steals. Looks like you can move up in steals. I'd like to get some saves. Looks like you have some buffer and saves. How about Marte for Diaz? Scott wrote me back and said, uh, I don't love the value of it, but I like to think kind of like, I like the, the premise, but I think Diaz is worth more than Marte. And his email back was, was very like clean, right? Yeah. A couple sentences. I, I, I like the idea. I don't, I don't love the value. I wrote him back and I said, okay. I said, I said, Marte is kind of my target because I need to trade steals without trading power. And my other base stealers are Acuna, Jonathan India, like guys who also hit me some home runs. So I said like Marte's kind of the guy I want to move. 
but I, and I actually said to Scott, I agree. I think that Diaz is worth more than Marte. So I kind of acknowledged that my first offer, like I wasn't saying it was fishing, but like, like that I probably need to do better. Yep. And, um, and then Scott wrote me back and said, you know, maybe you could add in a starting pitcher to the deal, like a, you know, a serviceable starting pitcher. He said something like that, but not a star. And I said, well, Drew Smiley's having a good season. That perfectly fits that description. Serviceable starting pitcher. I think that's that's on his business card. Yeah. I think he's got an ERA in the threes and a whip around 1.2. And and he said he's got a handful of wins. The Cubs are okay. His strikeout rate's solid. Like he is exactly in a 15 team league this year. He's exactly like a set and forget pretty much a set and forget starter in a 15 team league. So um, I said, how about him? And Scott was like, yeah, sure. That works. So we made the deal pretty quick, pretty clean. Like I said, like not a lot of not beating around the bush, um, not a lot of game playing. You know, when Scott said, I think Diaz worth more than Marte, I was like, yeah, I, I see that too. So yeah. it's just that Scott, like when you're trying to get a closer, it's not like Scott's got six of them for me to choose from. So it was kind of like Diaz and, and um, yeah, anyway, so it works out. Hopefully it'll work out well for Scott. He should be able to hold almost all of his saves points or all of them. And then, I find Scott to be a very easy trade part not easy as yep. in like i win trades but easy yep. to do business with yep. either there's a deal to be done or there isn't he's not yep. trying to squeeze every last drop of value but he's yep. getting good value he's often the one to initiate talks yep. uh and to initiate offers i appreciate that mm-hmm. no like you know it's he i i get i would average probably and i'm in multiple leagues with him baseball football hockey mm-hmm. i probably average two leagues two trades with him per year across sports so, uh, right. yeah, I, I always like dealing with Scott. Um, I did. I also made a trade uh, okay. on Monday morning for the Rotowire Staff Keeper League. It's actually Monday afternoon, actually. Um, and I tried to make two others. Um, and, you know, I I did. You know, so Brett Cohen, who's like my co-commissioner, uh, he's been in the league forever, actually initiated trade talks with me. He was trying. He's was, he was doing a sell off and he sold off Paul, Paul Goldschmidt. He approached me. And I asked if I was interested. And I was like, yeah, I am. This like I've got one of my corners is kind of stinky. But I'm also first in homers and RBI. and I, I, I'm first in two categories of homers and RBI and second the other in, in, in runs. I think one of those three I'm, uh, you know, I'm in second in. But point is, I'm not hurting in categories there, but I do have weak corners, uh, especially a weak cor- uh, my corner infielders week. It's an 18-team mixed league, by the way. Keeper league. Yeah. 10 man minor leaguers, seven band benches. So it's, it's good. It You're runs going to be weak deep. somewhere. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but I am weak in see, uh, speed and saves. So I was like, I am interested in Goldie because he does run a little bit. He would be an improvement over what I have, but I'm more interested in a closer or, or a relief pitcher. Uh, he ended up making the Goldschmidt trade with someone else, but he came back to me and goes, and then meanwhile, I, I sent an email missive to the league. It's like kind of as a kick in my butt. Like, Hey, I need to get trading. Other people are starting to trade. Todd Zola made two big trades. Uh, in the league and he's he and i are kind of near the top right now so well there's a lot of people it's no one's dominating the league yet but um i was like okay i better answer his trades so then i sent an uh, email saying i have these are my top eight prospects i'm willing to trade prospects or picks i need speed and saves you got a couple responses and then brett comes back to me goes i've got an offer for you and you know it came out you know it's boom boom i get jt real muto i get will smith from the uh from the Rangers, that version. Um, okay, I get guy that can run, a catcher that can run, and a big upgrade over catcher because I've got like Yasmani Grandal is one of my two catchers. So okay, that's an easy upgrade, uh, and I get a closer. 
And then I'm giving up like three prospects. Um, I didn't give up any draft picks in that. Got done. The deal got done. He came with a solid offer. We didn't go. I could I have maybe gotten one less prospect or gone downgraded one prospect? Maybe. I traded like Zach Neto, Pete Grow, Armstrong, and I forget the third, but they're decent, but not amazing prospects. Yep. Um, meanwhile, like I two other like respondents, are you interested in the player X? I was like, yeah, I am. What do you have in mind? Is what I said, you know, top like what prospect do you have in mind? He goes, nothing really in mind. Look it over. And like, Nothing. I knew it was going to take a while. Yeah. That one, and then I, you know, and then that other trade gets gets announced, and he goes, "Never mind." I was interested in Crow Armstrong. Like, why didn't he just say that? <laughs> yes, thank you. That's uh, what I always like. Why just like don't beat around the bush? Like, whenever someone says like, "Oh, I haven't really, I haven't really thought about it, I haven't really looked into it," I'm like, "Baloney! You have so how long does it take to look at a fantasy baseball roster?" And it's fine that you want. I I did initiate the discussion, so it's on me to make an offer to him, I guess. And I wasn't sure which he has like Evan Phillips. He has a couple of other closers that are parklers. Like Jordan Hicks is one that just got the job. Like, okay, if he holds the job, that's great. He could get traded tomorrow though, too. Um, for that matter, Will Smith could, you know, could lose his job to David Bednar or something like that. Who knows? But point being is one deal got done because there's a concrete offer. Something else hasn't gotten done because there's no concrete offer. I did make an offer to the third party. Uh, and he didn't like my offer. It's fine. There wasn't a deal to be made. We'll move on. And that's okay too. And you got, and again, don't take it personally. If, if there's not a trade, there's not a trade. Don't take it personally. If they don't trade, like you want to be traded, you know, he, he wasn't willing to make an offer. I didn't make an offer. Don't get upset about it. Just didn't happen. I just know it's going to take time. If, and, so, and I wanted to get the deal done this week before roster lock, you know, get the extra week yep. of possible steals and saves. So, yep. uh, we'll see about that. But, uh, it is a lesson like, hey, you have to be willing to put yourself out there, especially if you're the one sending out the initial missive. But the other guy did. Hey, and a deal got done. And maybe he and he did like three trades where he he, he vastly improved his farm system. So mm -hmm. I would like say said, it starts. It starts with someone's someone's got to make the first move. I have sometimes had people reach out to me and say, like, hey, are you interested in player X? And I will often write back and be like, yeah, sure. For this guy. Right. Yeah. And like now we got now we got an offer. Yep. Right now we got an offer and it's not like, well, maybe this guy, let me, like, if you're interested, let me know and I'll really break it down. Like yeah. I will write back and, and, you know, are you interested in player X? And I will write back and say, oh yeah. How about for player Y? And then, mm -hmm. or, or for players Y and Z or something like that. And, and then, and then we got an offer. Now we've got a starting point. He can write back and say, oh, I'm not really into player Y. How about, player w and then and then we can go from there and, and then maybe it quickly fizzles out but at least we've got a starting point to go back and forth you're like well if i'm getting y then i probably also want this guy and or i or i whatever but at least we've got a starting point you're right i think the person you didn't trade with um you know i think the person you didn't trade with like they just they didn't show enough of their cards. Just, just tell us. Just tell us who you were interested in. I like this. This, uh, yes. Jeff read this. Joel Hennard says, "Have you, this is a totally loaded question because he knows yeah. the answer to this. Have either of you gotten a phone call to talk about a trade? Hashtag Ian. Yes, yes. Ian Khan. I've gotten many, many phone calls from Ian Khan from uh, in XFL, and we've made multi, multiple trades. It works. That is a great tip. The more personal the, the your dialogue is with someone." The, the method of dialogue, the more likely it's going to be to do a trade. I've done trades at Wrigley Field with Peter Shanky before, way back in the day when we lived in Chicago. Because, hey, we're sitting right next to each other watching a game. Let's talk trades. Let's yeah. Talk. yeah. Let's Throw do it. 
Phone call works. Texting works. The more impersonal it is, the less likely you're going to get a deal. I mean, it's it's nice yep. to have everything clear in an email, but it's also you get that immediate gratification if you're talking to them. So uh, I like that. I, I, a great suggestion, Joel Hernard, uh, about that. Uh, one other thing I'd like to say. If you get a reasonable offer, don't try to chisel just to get the sweetener every time. Uh, the perfect is the enemy of the good. You can blow up a very... A perfectly fine deal just because you're trying to get that extra inch of value. I know some people are really good about that, but I'll tell you what. I'm in 20-plus leagues. I don't have time to go back and forth with 17 emails. I really don't, um, and I don't want to do that. So, it, I, mean, I, I mean, I understand. Counter offers are fine. You think a fourth-round pick is too much, you counter with a fifth or a sixth. Fine. Okay, that's fine. But man, I see so many good deals like, nah, I don't know about this. Now I think about it, I need this. Now, what about this too? And I'm just like, stop. That's enough. I'm done. Yeah, um, some easy ways I've seen. So for example, I made so many trades in Tout Wars over the years um, when I did the Tout Wars trading leagues until now I'm in draft and hold. Uh, in Tout Wars, throwing in fab was an easy way for people to just, if they weren't quite settled, that was an easy way to do it. You know, you're close to the finish line. Someone says, you know what? Throw in 50 bucks, Fab. Throw in 100 bucks, Fab. Whatever. And I'll do yep. it. If someone said that Labor, to me, would, we can't do that. <laughs> that's right. In, in, in Tout, I would almost always just go for it. If I had a deal I liked and someone was like, I like it, Fred. Throw in $65, Fab. I'd be like, sure. Let's do it. Um, so that's one way to do it. Then the other one, I think, though, in leagues like Labor or just your general home leagues and everything, um, some easy ways to do it for sure. Like if, if a deal feels like close but not quite, you know, throw in a bench player. Be like, you know... Hey, hey! you've got a backup closer type guy on your bench, pretty good reliever, throw him in. I'll take him. Maybe I'll get lucky and he'll, he'll take over his closer someday or throw in an injured player is another one. An injured, obviously an injured non-star, but you've got, you know, in leagues with IL slots, <coughs> excuse me, you've got this guy who's not really that valuable. I, let's say in labor, I have Jose Quintana. So maybe if I was in a deal with someone and we were right near the finish line and the person said like, I like it. Like, I don't love it. I like it. It's good enough. You know what, Fred? Quintana's going to be back in a few weeks. Throw in Quintana. Who knows what he'll turn out to be? Yep. Right? So those are easy ways if, if you just if you need a sweetener at the end rather than, like you said, you blow up the deal and all of a sudden you're like, well, how about instead of Marte, we go to – and then you just put in a completely different headliner in the yep. trade and, and then that just ends up not being – Right. You know, and Instead I of Marte, how about Acuna? Uh, right, or right, or something <laughs> like that. So, or if Scott had said instead of Marte, how about Jonathan India? Who I, again, I would have had to say, sorry, I can't do that because I need as many homers as I can get, so I can't really take him out of my lineup. Right. Um, yeah. Now, sometimes what I will do with other owners, um, if we're, when we start doing the trade talks, is and this I couldn't do this with Scott because of his closer situation, but I might say to them like to start, I might say you have three closers. Tell me which one you feel like you'd like to trade and I'll give you an offer. And yep. then maybe right off the top, the person might say, you know, like, oh, I, I'm in love with Diaz. This guy's awesome. I'm keeping him. I want to yeah. keep Diaz. I, I would, I, I trade Diaz, but I want a ton for him. I tell you what, you know what, Fred, uh, Kenley Jansen, I get, I give Kenley Jansen away for something reasonable and he's a closer. So, so then I'm like, okay, there's my starting point. Here's what yeah, I'll give and you. I, and I do the, uh, the, the corollary to that where like, I've got these th three outfielders. You can choose which one you want in this. Right. In our deal That's here. right. That's right. Yep, exactly. And, you know, and when Scott said to me, he said, why don't we, why don't you throw in a, like a, like a mid-level 
or serviceable starter. And I had two or three. If he had just named one, sure, we could have worked with that. But he said to me, like, you've got a few serviceable starters, pick one and and that and that should do it. So yeah, trying to give the other person like some control over the situation and you know, starting off that way is is always, I think, a better plan. But but then you gotta get to the offer. So, mm-hmm. so it can't be like, oh, you've got like three aces. Like, I want one. Which one would you like to trade? This guy. Oh, okay. What are you looking for? Oh, okay. You know, what, yeah. how many, you know, and you, you, like, okay, he told you which guy. He said, you know, now give him an offer. And by the way, I've been guilty of the converse of every single one of these tips before. Oh, me too. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I've uh, been beating around I've, the bush before too. And I've caught myself and been like, Fred, stop it. You're beating around rec- the bush. Recently. I've been yeah. bad about that. I, I'm yeah. sometimes slow to respond. You know, I, I, I'm terrible with email sometimes. I apologize for that. I try to, I try to, you know, make it clear that, Hey, it's, I just, I'm really bad. I've been really swamped. Sorry, blah, blah, blah. But yeah, I mean, it, it sucks when you have an out, offer out there and no one responds. So I'm, I'm bad at that. I got to get better at that. Uncle Ted says two for one trades are great. Forces them to drop someone, especially the smaller league you're in. That's especially yes. good at getting the one. Um, of course, everybody's wise to that too. You know, there's always a maxim, always get the best player in the deal. Well, that's great if you not, can. Yeah, not totally true. Um, right. Like in our 15-team league, like when Scott said, give me a serviceable starter, like I did, but I did have to think about it because we are not finding starters on waivers no. in a 15-team league. Like when yeah. Drew Smiley left, I wasn't like, oh, I'll just stream the spot from here on out. Uh, no, no well, especially because we're limited in the number of moves we can. We that's only have right, 40 pickups too. this year. Yep, so that there's too. that. So, basically two per week. And uh, Ted makes right. a good point, though. I mean, it's great if you can do that, especially in a third league. But sometimes it's fine to get the depth, too. And two for sometimes- ones are great in April, for sure. Yes. April, May, to get the roster space. And like you said, they're great in 10-team leagues and, and really good in 12-team leagues. And 15s are fine, but the value's got to be there. Like, you've got to factor in what your replacement level is. And my replacement level for Drew Smiley, well, it, in the end, I was putting taking out, in the end, Smiley and putting in Diaz in my lineup. Mm-hmm. But my replacement level for Marte is not very good. I put Kerry Carpenter into my lineup for the week, for example. So... I, I had bids on Kerry Carpenter and multiple. Not exciting, but it's yeah. definitely not exciting. So no, definitely yeah. not. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, Joel, Joel asked limited moves. Explain why. Okay, it's a first come first serve league. Uh, Yahoo friends and family. So that means we're not having fab every week. It's just you see something you want to see he's available. You pick him up. Great. But it prevents people from streaming like crazy. Now I think maybe the number might be a little too low. I think 50, maybe 60 even would be fine. But the whole point is, I think Scott's point, at, and Scott at, uh, Pianowski is the commissioner of the league. Scott's point was, we don't want this to be a, a race to the waiver wire every single time. And it also, you didn't want to have like willy-nilly streaming. And that way you don't have to worry as much about limits, about innings limits or whatever. But I mean, it's in that way, you also don't lock up 17 different players either. Um, so and, I, and I get our, it. And I was going to say, in our labor league, where I made that this trade is almost like a limited moves league as well, yes. because we have the hundred dollars fab with no $0 bids. Right. And you're not going to spend a hundred, you're not going to add a hundred players a season at $1. So, uh, you know, in effect, you only get, I don't know, 40 players a season, something like that. By the time you spend $2, $5, maybe $10, less too. If you go exactly. big on one person. Like, no, yeah. Like Let's if call you grab Ellie, Ellie, for instance, exactly. Um, if you grabbed Ellie, there's like 65 or 70 of your dollars, for example, in that league. So, yeah, um, yeah so it, both of those leagues are moves where, yeah, if you do a two-for-one, that's fine, but you're not going to stream the spot that you created. Yeah. You're going to have to find someone. And Yahoo Friends and Family is a daily league, too. So daily move, you know, 
first come first serve you can pick them up for that particular day so it prevents like overstreaming and all that too plus oh i have a side story about sorry for cutting off about yeah no, okay. family i'm always ranting about how i never i am never first to the waiver wire yeah. In that league. You're on I Canadian found, time. It's okay. I found, well, kind of, I just don't stay up really late. Yeah, I'm on, I'm on Eastern time and I don't stay up for like step till 10 or 11. But anyway, and I also don't think of it. I always think of other things first when mm-hmm. a player gets called up or something and, and then later. But anyways, I found my key. I got Emmett Sheehan a couple weeks ago. And nice. the reason I got him is he was promoted at like four in the morning Eastern. Like <laughs> five in the morning Eastern. And when I got up at 5.30 Eastern and went on my phone, I was like, oh, there's news from like one hour ago that the Dodgers are calling up Emmett Sheehan. I was like, I I, I, and I was the first guy the way wire because everyone else was probably asleep. So that's I was kid. not asleep, by the way, you at hadn't, that time. You hadn't gone to bed yet? Actually, I might have gone to bed early because I was in Hawaii. Oh, uh, there you so, go. Yeah, so it was like 1130. By the so way, I, I, watching that, baseball in Hawaii or watching sports in Hawaii yeah. is difficult. You know, I'm in Hawaii, so boo-hoo. Don't, right. don't cry for me. But <laughs> yeah. Yeah. um the Stanley, the deciding game, uh, we, we were there for like game five of the Stanley Cup final started at like two o'clock. Like, right. Yeah. Baseball game, like weekend day games, seven in the morning. Like, yeah, right. Okay. Forget it. I'm not, uh, you know, I'm not going to set my lineup that day in friends and family. Okay. Fine. Right. <laughs> yeah. Life's tough out in Hawaii. I understand. It'd be tough to be good at fantasy. It was a hard knock life for me. For sure. I could see, though, I could see, I'm an early riser. I could see getting up early in Hawaii, watching a ball game, and then getting out for the day. I could yeah. do that. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Um, yeah. It, it's really cool uh, to, to be there for that, though. All right. Um, any other trade stuff before we move on to news and notes? No, I don't think so. I've got a taste now of trades, so I haven't I hadn't been doing a lot of active trading, so maybe I'll... I expect an offer anytime soon in one of our leagues together. Maybe I'll see see what I can do from here. All right. Um, I want to start relief pitchers. Why? Because there are none. Looking at our list. <laughs> yeah. Um, oh, great! You took the list that I sent you of topics, and you decided to go with something that's not a topic. I get well, it. The point. Yeah. It's the. Yeah. Tell Thanks me your weaknesses. By and by weaknesses, I'll tell you three strengths. Uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> You know, the fact is, it's hard to find a closer. I mean, I, I know there's a lot of buzz on fantasy Twitter. Josh Sabors, I know, like, uh, Matthew Davis was big on him. Uh, a couple other people are showing screenshots of them picking him up everywhere. That He's now setting up for the Rangers. I'm like, mm, stay away from my Will Smith. Don't do that. I just traded for Will Smith. Don't do that to me. But Sabors is pitching well. He's been the setup guy. Uh, you know, and I'm trying to think, you know, McGuff was actually available in 34% of Yahoo leagues on Friday last week, but someone had already had grabbed him earlier that day. And that's why I noticed it's like, Oh, I missed out on that. He has like four saves. Jordan Hicks is a guy that's been picked up lately, but point is there have not been too many changes at closer. No, it has been a, like a weirdly. Yeah. Stable year. For closers, like if you drafted an early closer, not all of them, but most of them have returned plenty of value. And and then the teams who some of the teams, I guess, who who didn't have really have one. Actually, some of the teams have kind of settled on them. Like, for example, Paul Seawald, Will Smith, like some of these teams that we thought maybe in flux for a long time. They kind of settled on a guy and just and have run with him. And he's been able mm-hmm. to hold the job. Carlos Estevez. Um yeah, it's a. I'm interested to see where it all goes from here. Like right now, we have about 13 closers that are all on pace for 30 saves. They won't all get there. Like someone's going to get hurt, or 
maybe some of the teams are going to trade for someone, but you know, but someone else may go on a run. Uh, yeah. Like Ryan Grant. Presley might go on a run. Exactly. So, yeah. so some of them, so I'll be interested to see where this is going, but it doesn't feel like we're going in a direction, at least so far this year, and maybe it's an anomaly, but it doesn't feel like we're going in a direction of like more closer flux and closer chaos. It feels like a lot of close, like, like they're, like you said, they're not available on the waiver wire. And this is something I did think about briefly when I started trade talks with Scott was just, I don't feel confident in a league with limited moves that I can find a closer on the waiver wire. Yeah. And beat everyone out for him and be the, the savant who sees him coming or in a, in a tough, you know, league of industry people. So yeah, it's been, it's been really hard to find saves on the waiver wire this year. Yeah. And I don't, is. and I don't see it changing. Yeah, Trevor May, Joel mentions as a possibility. I did pick him up in a league uh, in one of the main events, actually. But then, funny thing happened. He got the first save, and I think he had pitched like two or three days, and they went with someone else for like the next right. two save chances. So even he, I mean, like that, you've seen that in a few t- instances there where there hasn't even been that clear-cut guy. Yes, so we do have some teams that are still doing the closer committee thing. I mean, Trevor May also kind of stinks. That's my problem with him like yeah more, there's more, a... more walks than strikeouts this year and oakland stinks right so. oakland stinks and he stinks i didn't really give him much maybe as much credit as i should on the waiver wire for that reason with fab bidding um but yeah i don't see like you said like like hicks recently was picked up and we'll see where it goes from there i don't feel really that confident in him either I grabbed Jose Alvarado in a league when he when he was almost coming back from the IL. I don't think he's going to be their closer, but I think he's their best reliever. Yeah. So I picked him up to kind of see where things go. Um, yeah, it, it's it's been really hard. If it continues this year this way, closers could go really early in drafts next year. Yeah, and they they were they, they were already doing that a little bit. Yeah. Right, but imagine if the general consensus conclusion at the end of the year was it was not impossible, but really hard to find closers, and most of the closers that were taken among, say, the top ten closers returned, you know, thirty saves. Mm-hmm. Like we are sometimes an industry that you know follows maybe follows the past more than we should, follows recent, For recent sure. past more than we should. So I could see there being next year a run on like second, third, fourth round closers even more so. Well, I kind of hope there is. Um, Are because you then I, in that run? No, I won't. Okay. Um, well, no, fourth I will. I mean, I got Romano in the fourth in a couple of places, and that's been fine. Yeah. Uh, but if if this year's Romano is next year's third round pick, then yeah, I won't. I won't be participating probably because that means I'm getting an awesome hitter or an awesome starting pitcher. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it is a little bit like like if everybody's taking closers in the third, then the third round hitters just fall to the fourth. Yeah. So it's not really like I, I get I I'm the same as you. Like I get stubborn and I'm like, come on, there's no way I'm taking Jordan Romano in the third round. But then sometimes when I step back and look at it, I'm like, well, if I take Romano in the third round, I'll be able to get this hitter who I wanted in the third round in the fourth round probably anyway. So and the know, added bonus is you're not chasing some crappy half closer in the eleventh round. Right. You know, if you're gonna get a second That's closer, right. you're getting like the eighteenth. So you're getting a real starting pitcher. You're getting a real hitter there. Um, that helps you, especially we're talking in 15 team leagues. That's really important uh, to yeah. get value out of that spot. Ted says something really par- uh, good. Trade deadline will open things up for closers. Yeah. That's typically true. Uh, I got, uh, I can think of the pirates trading Bednar. 
I could see that happening. I could see the uh, Royals trading a relief pitcher or two. Uh, I think the inventory, generally speaking, in across all positions at the trade deadline will be lesser than we think because there's there's a lot of teams still in the hunt, like the Mets and the and the Padres. They're not going to sell off. They might even be buyers. Um, the Cardinals probably won't sell off. Maybe they will. I don't know. Uh, but these are teams that another if uh, if that were the Reds at 35 and 42 or, thir- or 32 and 45, excuse me. Yeah, they're probably selling off uh, and Alexis Diaz is available, but Alexis Diaz is going nowhere. You know, that that's yeah. like that. That's the thing is all the teams that expected to compete that are middling teams. They might still be holding on hope. Maybe in a month from now, that'll change. I don't know. But yeah. I think there might be less players traded this year than there are in normal years. Uh, that's possible. Also, with relievers, sometimes at the trade deadline, closers move, but it's actually a ne- ends up being a negative effect on the closers that are available for fantasy. And the re- way I say that is, to give an example, let's say David Bednar gets traded to a team where he sets up. Now, all of a sudden, we lost Bednar. Or let's say he gets traded to Boston and they make Ken- – this wouldn't happen, but they make Kenley Jansen their setup man. And Bednar yeah. becomes closer. Well, now we just lost Jansen. Either way, we're down a closer. Right. Or it, it goes to a team that already does a committee of sorts. Let's call them the Rays, for there instance. There you go. So yeah. now we're down a closer. But then the knee-jerk reaction is like, oh, but we'll get one back because the Pirates will now have a closer. But often what happens with these kind of also-ran teams after they trade their closer because they've given up on their season is they just kind of shrug their shoulders and say, meh, like we're going to – we're going to go committee here. Yeah, we're, we're doing to... whatever in the ninth inning. Like, for example, if I look at the the Pirates' bullpen, Colin Holderman leaves, has twice as many holds as everyone else, so I guess he's the guy. Of course. He, he has a 150. Why would he not be? His name's Holderman. <laughs> and he's got a lot of holds, so maybe they leave him there. But he's got a 150 whip. The next guy in holds is Robert Stevenson. He's got a 143 whip. You know, like, yeah. there's just – there's not an obvious closer. So maybe – so then – so now all of a sudden – before the deadline, we had Bednar and we had Kenley Jansen. Now we only have one of them, and we don't have a closer on the Pirates. So the guy who was sitting on wa- who's sitting there, like lurking on the waiver wire for Fab, saying, "I'm going to get a closer on August 1st," like doesn't actually end up. You know, now you're looking around and you're like, "Okay, uh, 70 bucks Fab on Colin Holderman. Let's see how this goes." And it probably doesn't go that well. So sometimes there is that negative effect. Sometimes it all works out, but it's hard to find a bad team that has a good closer and a good setup man and they trade the closer and the setup man's available. Right. Right. Or at least uh, a serviceable setup man. And there's, and there's a financial reason. Sometimes they don't do that. Yep. Also it's because they don't want the next guy piling on saves before arbitration. If he's of a certain, you know, yep. amount of experience in the big leagues too. So that's another problem that you run into there. All right. We, one problem we don't run into is where to host our uh, podcast. We're on the Blue Wire Network. We're thrilled to be on the Blue Wire Network. Here are their ads. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. 
Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Did you know a 2018 study showed half of prenatal vitamins tested had unacceptable levels of heavy metals? I'm Kat, mother of three and founder of Ritual. When I was four months pregnant, I couldn't find a prenatal I could trust, so I created my own. Ours is made traceable, third-party tested for heavy metals, and recently earned the Purity Award from the Clean Label Project. But don't just take my word for it. Get 25% off at virtual.com slash podcast. When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. That's a transition, boys and girls. All right. Thanks for uh, paying up, uh, dealing with that there for us. Um, we're actually going to be broadcasting live from the Blue Wire Studios in Vegas in a couple of weeks. Excited about that. They have apparently they have a really sweet setup at the win. So uh, going to be doing uh, some like I'm a I'm going to do something called a Dodger Blue. I've been doing those on Friday mornings, but might do a little bit more in Vegas. So that'll be pretty fun. We're going to do hoops there. I think some football talk too. should be a good time. Uh, let's talk hitters. Um, Jordan Westberg got the call yesterday. One for four with a walk. What do you expect from him? Yeah, so I was trying to decide if I expect like full-time playing time at first because that is a bit of a complicated infield, right? That Orioles infield. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Adam Frazier didn't start yesterday. Um, I don't think he's like fully out of the picture. He has been slumping. I know that from having him on a fantasy team or two that he has been slumping, but he didn't start yesterday. Um, you know, so Westberg got started at second. They still have, like, if you look at their fan graphs depth chart, for example, they have Westberg in the starting lineup as a third baseman. Um, and he's starting, oh, he's starting at second again today. So he started over Frazier yesterday and again today. If they're going to put Frazier on the bench, then sure. But they've also got Jorge Mateo as an infielder. They've also got Ramon Arias as an infielder, both of whom on their fan graphs page are listed on the bench, both of whom started the last two days. Um so, so this what you're is trying a to say is situation. It's this is not an Ellie. Forget the fact that he's not an Ellie De La Cruz prospect. This is not a situation where they're like, "Hey, bud, cl- you know, playing time is free and clear. It's all yours. Take six weeks and run with it. Let's see what you can do." Like he's going to have to battle for his playing time. Yeah, it's a little bit more crowded, but I also think they wouldn't call him up if they weren't going to play him. Yep, me too. But I did want to use this opportunity to make the joke saying, "Down goes Frazier." So uh, there we go. Well played. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Thank you very much. Appreciate I'm glad it. I had a short rant about their, their infield, which gave you time to brainstorm that. Yeah, no, I was I was Holy. ready to do it, and then you kept going. I was like, oh, okay. Ah, I already had it. I wasn't picking up the, the cues. Yeah. Okay. Stop. Anyways. I need to make a bad joke. Uh, but From anyways. a skills set perspective, uh, Westberg is uh, good, not like super exciting. Like he, last year in the minors, he hit 27 homers in 138 games. So he's got power. He stole 12 bases. Like he can run a bit. This year he had six steals. So he can run a bit. He's probably not going to run a lot. Like I doubt with his speed, he comes up to the majors and starts stealing bases like crazy. Um, so 
you know, his career batting average in the minors is 278. Strikeout rate's fairly high. It's not wild, but it's a little higher than maybe than you'd like to see. So I, I think he is someone in a 15-team league who you add in a 12. I think you only add him if you're looking for, like, like his like looking for a middle infielder. I think you're probably right. I don't think that. you chase him like in a 12. In a 15, I think he next Sunday, unless this week goes miserably for him. Like I think he gets added in in 15s next Sunday. Oh, I but think, not, he gets but that. not at like seventy dollars or something. I bet you he does go for. I mean, he's if oh, you, you look at so? any prospect ranking, he's high. Yeah, and that alone will boost that up. I yeah. bet you with he'll go for 75 to 100 in many leagues. Wow. Uh, yeah, probably I think he'll go triple digits. Uh, you might even go 200 in one of those main event leagues. Uh, right. I, I will not be bidding that much in part because I don't have that much, but also in part because, you know, it, for the reasons you state, he's not like a category juice type of guy. He's a, he's a better real life player than fantasy prospect, I think. So we'll see. Yeah. Uh, and, and yeah. And part of my thinking with how much he'll go for is, is like you said, how much people have left. So yeah. I think there'll be leagues where he goes for, well, again, so much will depend on how he plays this week, mm-hmm. but I think there's could be leagues where he goes for 20 because just no one has a lot of money left. That's probably true. I'm, yeah. I'm in a couple of those type of leagues. Yeah. Um, let's stick with the O's. I mean, they're, they're a fun team. As uh, Nick Whalen, my uh, radio co-host said, this is like a game pass series, Reds versus Orioles. Yeah. It's like when you, you circle around and say, this is gonna be fun. Let's watch it. One of the guys that's been really fun this year is Austin Hayes. You know, Previously kind of a middling sort of guy. This year, 319, eight homers, 34 RBI, 34 RBI, 41 runs, and two stolen bases so far. He's slugging 510, having a heck of a year. Yeah, I mentioned in our show notes that like this, to me, is like the absolute perfect example of a post-type sleeper. Like We had all given up on him being anything other than just serviceable. Yeah, it was kind of the, oh, at least he's going to play. Yeah, and then you also wondered the O's with like them starting to trend in a winning direction last year, and then they do have prospects. Like if he if he had a 680 OPS right now, would they be replacing him, right, with and mm-hmm. just saying like Austin Hayes, like you're done. Like they're your your fourth outfielder for us from now on. You know, like we're got to, we got to try some of these younger guys. But he didn't do that. He got off to a really good start this year. Mm-hmm. Now. Here comes the cold water. He has a 398 BABIP, which is almost 100 points higher than his BABIP was entering the season. And his XBA on StatCast is 50 points, 52 if I want to be specific, points lower than his actual batting average. Wow. So StatCast kind of says that he's a little better than he has been the last few years, but not his average exit velocity is up. So that's good. His barrel rate's up. So that's good. So they're saying he's better than he has been in previous years, but not this much better. You know, even if we say he could outperform his stat cast data, maybe he's like a 280 hitter or something like that. Right. But that's okay. 280 the rest of the way from Austin Hayes would be pretty good. Sure would. It yeah. Sure would. And the power is not awesome. Eight home runs in what we're getting close to half a season. So, yeah, he, I don't know. I think he's a little over his skis right now. He'd be someone I'd be looking to trade if I. I was the type of guy to make trades. No, if I was the type of guy to have Austin Hayes, I just don't have him this year. I had a lot of Austin Hayes last two years. I, I missed remember him. that. Yeah. Sleeper. yeah. So he'd be the type of guy maybe I'd be looking to move um, based on that 319 batting average. Yeah, not a bad yeah. idea. Not but a bad but idea. good for him. Like I like just as a sports story, like this is a guy who's like was supposed to be awesome like four years ago, wasn't, has stuck with it 
and hope I'm hoping for his sake, you know, for his future and his career, I'm hoping that he could hit 300 this year. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Joel Hennard asked about Christian Encarnacion Strand not being named to the Futures game. Do you think it's because there's a call-up coming or just not picked? I think he just wasn't picked. Um, but he might have been not picked because of the position he plays. Or, you know, he, I know he's working on his, on playing a little outfield because that's where the Reds are going to have an opening more likely than anywhere else. So that might be uh, what's happening there a little bit. But uh, I don't think it his call-up schedule was impacted by that or vice versa. I don't think those are intertwined. That's my guess. I haven't read anything suggesting otherwise there. Uh, but we will see Encarnacion Strand at some point this year, and he's still crushing the ball down at AAA. Yes. So there, if I had the fab hammer in some NFBC leagues, like I feel like I would wait for him um, before I would spend, like we were talking about, 70 bucks or something like that on someone like Westberg. Unless, of course, you need the middle end. Unless I needed the middle, like, yeah. And right. Yeah, right now. All right. So let's, that, that's a good bridge. Uh, we talked about the good. Let's talk about the bad. The Mets lost again. There's 16 games out in the NL East, Fred. <laughs> 16. You mentioned Jeff McNeil is one of the, the culprits here, and he is. Asked maybe he's a cut. I don't think he's a cut in a 15-teamer, but, you know, Maybe you maybe you want Jordan Westberg over him at this point in time. Hitting 257, three homers, four stolen bases. I mean, he's not in 210 or anything, but this is not what you paid for either. No, and this is one of the guys like I have him on not many teams, one or two, but these are the types of players who just like slowly siphon your season. You know, they they don't they don't play for a month and get hurt. They play, you keep putting them in the lineup. They don't do anything. You wonder, like, how am I slowly falling behind in all these offensive categories? And it's it's players like this. Like, McNeil is on pace for about six home runs, eight steals. Like, single digits in both. But that's okay. Mm-hmm. That's actually not surprising. He did that last year. But last year he hit 326. He's hitting 257 with a, a lower Babbitt, but not a, like, super low one, but a lower Babbitt. And, and the runs in RBIs because the Mets are struggling so much. Like, he's on pace for about 70 runs and about – not even 50 RBIs. Like we're talking yeah. like maybe 120 combined. The 50 RBI oh. is a killer, especially oh. when you're not getting like the other categories that you usually count on there. And the, the, the lower average is intertwined with the runs. Obviously if he's hitting 300, well, he's probably yes. got 10 more runs uh, or five more runs. I don't know. Um, <laughs> it, he is it, someone it, who I definitely, related. I was gonna say he is someone I definitely regret. I overvalued him in draft season. Okay. Um, I counted too much on him being, uh, like a 310 hitter or something, at least something like that this year. I gave too much. Like if he didn't do, I, I didn't look enough at how, like if Jeff McNeil isn't hitting 310, he is like pretty useless for fantasy, even in a 15 team league. Yeah. Like those and, sets, like I've been rolling him out in a, in a 15 team league. I've been rolling him out at second base, like every week this year. And like, I could have easily streamed the spot and done this. Yeah. And you could have easily had Luis Arias for that price or less. Right. Um, just yeah. to make you feel even better. About yeah, so I, I think... In I don't 12, have any Luis Arias, by the way. It's so either. bad. I could see a McNeil, like, in a 12, I could see cutting out <laughs> and just saying, like, mm-hmm. I'm going to stream the spot and look for someone with more upside and just take my chances that he doesn't suddenly hit 320 the rest of the way. Yep. yep. Yeah. It's wild to see how the Mets are losing. Earlier on, they, they couldn't get good starting pitching. Okay, they get a good start yesterday from Verlander. They don't score any runs. They get a lead against the Phillies. They But they don't want to use their best relievers. They're They're... Fourth and fifth relievers give up four runs on one hit by hitting batters, one air in there, 
bizarre, walking guys, bizarre, bizarre collapse on set on Sunday against the Phillies. It's just wild to see this happening there. They just, mm-hmm. and it all started with, you know, losing Edwin Diaz in the world baseball classic. I don't hate the world baseball classic, but I, I got a feel for Mets fans. They're probably feeling pretty snake bit about this. Yeah, for sure. They're, they are fourth last in the national league, which is not an awesome league. No. <laughs> this year <laughs> and they are fourth last it, the cardinals i feel like break their fall like people talk more about the, uh, maybe now people are really starting to talk about the mets i felt like out of the gate people talk so much about the cardinals and like yeah the and the potteries are hanging around there drawing some of that fire too they are yeah they are for sure um yeah for sure and the potteries maybe uh, no they're not more disappointed than the mets they're probably equally disappointing they're probably yeah. about the same yeah, yeah i would say yeah, the mets are paying more money but they probably had similar expectations. Going the Mets in. are a bigger lightning rod because they're New York. Also, Absolutely. And because they're Steve Cohen and all that. Yeah. And they had some really like, like when you have Scherzer and Verlander in your rotation. Mm-hmm. Right. So yep. like, that's a, like just a lightning rod for controversy, both in how famous they are and how old they are. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, let's talk a little Marlins. Jazz Chisholm is back. We talked about Arias. I mean, Chisholm could be big. Um, Absolutely. We'll see how who loses out on the playing time. I guess it's mostly Jonathan Davis. But one one of the good stories for the Marlins has also been that Brian De La Cruz has been a pretty good player this year too, and he might lose a little bit of playing time if they're trying to keep Davis involved. I didn't see what the move was that yet that they made to when they activated Chisholm. In fact, I'll, I can hey, I have, the, I have the computer right in front of me. I can look that up. Um, <laughs> look it up on the internet. I yes. do think you're. I do, like you said. I do think Chisholm and the Marlins are doing really well. So like, like they're in it now. Like they, they're mm-hmm. the top wildcard team right now. Um, I, I Chisholm could be a huge, we'll see if he can stay healthy, but you know, they've got whatever about 85 or so games left. He could be a huge game changer, like 39 games before he got hurt, seven home runs and 14 steals. So we're talking about him putting up a home run or a steal every on average, basically every other game. So yep. right before he got hurt last year, even with, not as easy rules on stealing. He was putting up one or the other almost every other game as well. So, mm-hmm. yeah, we're talking about someone who, could, if, if you've managed to hold on to him and stay in the race, could be a huge game changer. I think the jury's still out on whether Chisholm is a great fantasy player or a great baseball player. Right. You know, like it, 694 OPS when he got hurt, 728 two years, like three years ago, sorry, 868, 860, which was good two years ago. But from a fantasy perspective, if, if he's good to go, like he could steal whatever, 30 bases in the second half of the season and hit a dozen home runs. They could have an interesting core of hitters there, too. Absolutely. I mean, Jesus Sanchez, as Ted refers to, uh, Jorge Soler has been awesome. Arias has done his thing. Garrett Cooper has his uses. I mean, in, if Gene Segura can do anything when he comes back, and he came back today, too. Yeah. That might be kind of – you might have yourself a stew there. I mean, or I don't they, think he can yeah. catch the Braves, but – but uh, by the way, to be a wild card team. Yeah. yeah. By the way, Garrett Hampson was sent down. Yes. And Jacob Amaya also. also. Yeah. Amaya is the, the guy they got in the Miguel Rojas trade. Um, but, you know, Hampson, I mean, what a bust. Oh, I remember yeah. using a first round Stratomatic pick on him. This is how, this is how you, you know, deign yourself to years of failure when you, you blow your first round pick. And I was late first round pick. So I was a contender that year. But, you know, Senzel one year, Garrett Hampson the next. I need good ball players, and these are not good ball players. They're they're fringe fringy players, but uh, Marlins. I mean, they're they're really interesting. I mean, and uh, there's still the big question: What are they? You know, can Yuri Perez? How long can he pitch till they shut yeah. him down? I mean, can they? Do they dare shut him down when he's their best pitcher right now? It's not Sandy. It's Perez. 
Yeah, they could be in a scenario where they feel like a little bit comfortable with their ability to just make the playoffs, but not catch the Braves at some point. And then maybe mm-hmm. they they skip some of his starts and try to preserve him that way. But yeah, I mean, for them to really make any noise, Sandy's got to get back on track. You know, right. like Perez, like you said, they're going to have to limit the innings. Braxton Garrett's playing, pitching really well. Yeah, he is. Great. Lazardo for sure. But I'll, I'll, like, like Sandy's got to get back on track. And it, like you were mentioning about that lineup, it's become a lineup that it's not awesome or anything, but if they added someone to it, like the right person, like you've got Arias at the top, who's, you know, leading the majors in batting average. You got, like you said, Soler is playing out of his mind, or at least really good this year. De La Cruz has been hot. Now you've got Chisholm, who's really dynamic. Guys like Garrett Cooper and Sanchez are serviceable. Um, if they added, you know, one more, they've got those infield spots with Segura and, and right now Joey Wendell. If, if one of those positions became a really good hitter, which would mean adding a player at the de- before the deadline, all of a sudden that could be a, like a player who you can put in the top four. Right. Right. What all you- of a sudden that lineup would be really interesting. Let's say you went Arias, then Soler, then Chisholm, and then you picked up a new cleanup hitter, which pushes yeah. all the way down to fifth. Yeah. Uh, it, yeah. it would be huge. Yeah. That's an interesting lineup at that point. Yeah. And Indeed. like I said, they can pitch. They have some interesting arms in the bullpen. So... Like, like, they have a few relievers, A.J. Puck. Floro has been okay. Tanner Scott's been solid this year. Andrew Nardi, I picked up in our Labor League a week or two ago. He's not great, but he's okay. Mm-hmm. His numbers this year are pretty good. Yeah. So they've got some interesting relievers. I think the Marlins are kind of a – I mean, they're not Reds cool, but they're pretty cool. Yeah, they are. They yeah. are. Um, if you have Yuri Perez and let's say – let's call it Yahoo Friends and Family, for instance, <laughs> would you try to trade him now before the shutdown? How much? Okay, what can you get for Yuri Perez? That that's what I'm kind of asking. Um, for me, would you trade? By the okay, way. so I would have definitely traded him for Alexis Diaz, for example. Yeah, to I get a really good closer. Uh, would you have traded him? So okay, so he's less valuable than Diaz. Would you have traded him for Starling Marte if you needed? Steve? Only because of the shutdown is the only reason. Yeah, I know. I yep. For, oh, if it wasn't for the shutdown, he's an ace. Close yeah, to it. close to it. So. Would you trade him for Starling Marte? I think I wouldn't. I think I wouldn't. Yeah, I think it would kind of depend on like what. Yeah, and this is where what do I need? You know, right? Uh, which I'm looking to see what do I need in this league. Uh, right. My little pickups have worked out. I I, I picked up Ellie. I picked up uh, Royce Lewis in that league. Oh, I need pitching. Oh, yeah, that's <laughs> that's a bummer. Okay, so much for that. I'm set. I've got two points in K's. Uh, guess that's not. I, I guess I can't trade him then. <laughs> well, I was kind of, I was also kind of thinking about: Are there scenarios where you would trade him for just someone who's going to pitch more? Like, would you trade him for Shane Bieber? Yeah, Ugh. who's probably going to throw another hundred innings this year? Hundred, like he's got a hundred so far. Tapioca pudding innings, Ugh, just so mediocre. Yep, but uh, I probably. Think I, just keep I don't know. I think I just keep Perez and have fun with it. I think I'm going to, but. If someone puts me in a test of an offer, I'll think about it there. A close, a really good closer I would I would trade for uh, with, with Yuri Perez for sure. Because I've got three and a half save points also. So, I yeah. And by the way, Mike Curlin, who's winning the world this year, has got a big lead in that league. So, okay. I mean, I'm like, I'm in fourth, but I'm 26 points behind. So, I got a lot of things I have to improve. Right. Yeah. I, I think going back to Perez, the problem is, so I would trade him for like Kevin Gosman, like someone who's mm-hmm. pitching well and is going to have more length in the second half. And I wouldn't trade him for Shane Bieber. So like, there's no, I, I feel like if I broke down the list, there's almost no sweet spot. Yep. Like the Gosman, 
manager's probably not going to trade him. No. Just to get a different pitcher. The no. Bieber manager might jump at it, but because it's it's a risk. But I guess maybe, may, okay, maybe the sweet spot for trading Perez, since I like to think about these things from all angles, is you have Perez, you're in first place. You, you just can't afford to not have him for a month at some mm-hmm. point. So right. maybe you do trade him, whether it's Bieber or not, but maybe you do trade him for some tapioca pudding. Mm-hmm. Just just to, because you're like I in a in a deeper league, especially like I just can't go without him, without a start that starting pitcher spot. Yep. I guess yep. that maybe that's the sweet spot. And there will be Perez teams out there, obviously, who are in first place. For sure. He's been really helpful. Yeah. All right. Let's talk a couple of pitchers before I sign out here. Uh Reed Detmers, another great outing yesterday. You ask, has he turned the corner? You get to answer your own question. <laughs> great um it certainly looks like he has i mean it's not just we're talking four starts in a row with at least eight strikeouts uh yeah. the only thing about detmers is the walks are concerning so he's still walking about two batters per start uh it's not the worst but mm-hmm. like the walks are a little bit concerning but yeah i think maybe he has turned the corner like he's, stri- he's striking out batters at a rate that we haven't seen before um if he can keep that up his his k per nine right now this year is 11.1 like that's elite so yeah. like the walks may keep him from being like a low threes ERA pitcher or a twos or something. But how, how about this? I don't know if you've got him up in front of you, but how many wins does Reed Detmers had this year? Oh, I already know the answer. That's one yeah. and one 14 starts. Stinking win. 377 but, ERA. Yep. One win. He has no pitched. decision last night. You know, that's, yeah. that's like kind of the story of his season there, but yeah, I mean, he, he's been so good lately. I mean, yeah. you know, in the last 30 days, 205 ERA, 0.91 whip, uh, and he's gotten one win to show for it. So there you go. But uh, people don't realize Reed Detmers is still just 23 years old. Mm-hmm. He got called up in fir- the, his first year as a pro in 21 uh, and made five starts then. So I, I think, and then last year he had a good stretch in the second half. Remember, he threw the uh, no-hitter. Was it a no-hitter or a perfect game? I forget. Um, I say no. I want to say no hitter. Got sent down shortly after yeah. that, and then because he he struggled, uh, and then came back a, a better pitcher afterward. Yes, that's right. Yeah, he it was a no hitter. By the way, it came with two strikeouts. Yes, it was a it was a really weird no hitter. It was only that. one walk, but it came with mm-hmm. two strikeouts. Wasn't quite a Joe Kelly no hitter. No. Yes, and then they held him back a bit, and a week later, yeah, he didn't even throw four innings. And then things went kind of, he wasn't great from there. Not a lot of mm-hmm. length. And then, like you said, he got sent down. Then he came back. His final numbers last year were not bad. Like 377 ERA, 121 whip. So, like, that's not bad. But, and right now his whip's worse this year. And his ERA is the same. But if you look at what he's been doing lately, it does seem like maybe he's, like, ready to turn the corner. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So, and, and like you said, he's really young. He's not a post-type sleeper like Austin Hayes. But I do think people... Some people, maybe myself included, had already kind of settled in on, like, Reed Detmers is fine, but maybe he's not great. Mm-hmm. He could be great. Could be. Yeah. Uh, in contrast, his teammate, Tyler Anderson, has not been great. Although, last two starts have been fine. Nine, K, nine Ks in Coors Field. Gave up three runs in six innings, but whatever. It's Coors Field. Uh, but for the year, it's still really bad. 554, 154. You know, you got to judge more of the basis of the whole year instead of just two, the last two starts, unless he somehow added some magically added some uh, velocity or something. But, uh, you know, the, the the Dodger Devil Magic is gone with both him and Andrew Heaney. That's right. Yeah. So, 
those of us who just stayed away from both of them, just saying they're not on the Dodgers anymore. I just can't trust them. Yep. This time we're right. Um, it's just interesting that this Dodgers magic, it does like, it doesn't seem like the Dodgers taught these pitchers something that they were able to take to their new teams. Right. Because they've just gone right back to like Andrew, Andrew Heaney. Like he's just gone right back to not his worst that we've seen him, but like his ERA this year is almost the same as his ERA in his career. His FIP this year is worse. His whip is mm-hmm. a little worse. Like Tyler Anderson's been unplayable. And which is, by the way, is the which extent is of his career. Yeah. Actually, Tyler Anderson's been worse. Like this is mm-hmm. the ERA has this year and the whip he has this year would be the second worst in his career outside of one season where he's made just five starts in as a Rocky. Like every year that he pitched for the Rockies of any significant amount of innings were better than Tyler Anderson so far this wow. year. Wow. That's how uh, bad it is. So it's like he didn't from what from last season when he had a 1.00 whip. Like none of that. He was not able to bring any of that to the Angels. Right. Now some of this he also was he he had to there it's so hard to isolate, you know, Dodgers versus new rules for instance. Yep. Like these guys are all pitching in a different environment this year. Maybe the Dodgers had elite defense behind them, elite sign stealing behind them. I don't know, but um, you know, I, there's something that about that that you know even the Dodgers haven't been able to capture as much. You notice they yep. haven't. I mean, they they've got prospects that are good, but you know, Tony Gonsolin is struggling lately. Um, you know, we saw Thor who just got punished. Um, so you know, it's it's harder to pitch now. Where do the Dodgers rank in team ERA? Quick guess. Middle. And it's mostly because their bullpen's horrible. 24th. Not even middle. 24th. 24th. I would have never. Oof, like, yeah. if you said that to me, I would have been like, oh, I know they're not having a great year. But uh, like you said, I would have said, like, I would have might have even said, like, 12th or something like that. Yeah. Like, oh. And I know the bullpen hasn't been good, but I would have said, like, 12th or something like that. Anyways, 24th. Bullpen's only 26th. So it's not like. The, the bottom end of the middle, Fred. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Their rotation is I'm looking for it. Sixteenth. Yeah. Their rotation is sixteenth. So is this is a very, horrible. very un Dodgers like Yeah. Like the like the Astros have con- continued to shove as far as pitching the Rays. Not same. as much lately though, by the way. If you do no, the last but on the days, they're they're starting to they're well over four in the last thirty days, so Yes, but on the season, the Astros and the Rays are the top two mm-hmm. ERAs. They've continued to shove the Yankees, who have pitched pretty well over all the last few years. They're still pitching well. It's the Dodgers are the one team, like you said, with the new rules this year, and I don't know if that's fully the reason, but mm-hmm. it's not the whole reason, but they have really dropped off. Indeed. Yeah, and they, like you said, they couldn't sprinkle any <laughs> Dodgers magic on Syndergaard. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the one other pitching note I want to hit before we sign off is A.J. Smith-Shaver got sent down. You ask if he's a cut. I mean, we'll see Soroka pitch once before we have to make this decision, unless you're in a daily moves league. This one totally caught me by surprise. I didn't see this one coming at all. Yeah, the the only thing is the Smith Shaver hadn't been as dominant as like as we were hoping. I think mm-hmm. since he was up, so that like I'm assuming the Braves may have felt the same way. But yeah, I didn't really see it coming either. He had a 114 whip. Um, was like, like I said, I don't feel like he was totally striking out batters as much as as we had hoped, but I mean, his last start was in Cincinnati. Right. The Red, like the Reds were on such a heater. He, he struggled, but the Reds were on such a heater and yeah. And before that he was okay. Five home runs allowed in his last two starts. 
I don't know. Maybe he's only, maybe he's only down for a few weeks for them to just work on yep. some things and bring him back up. I think I would mostly cut him. Like, yeah. like unless I was in like a 15 and just like, I'm not cutting him for, for a reliever for Eric Swanson. I always like to bring him up. Like it's just as a good, right. good middle reliever. Like I'm not cutting him just to get rid of him. But I think in most circumstances, I would probably cut him. Yeah, I might give it an extra week just to see how if he shoves in two minor league starts and Soroka struggles in two major league starts. Yeah. We'll see. But aside from that, yeah, I think unfortunately it's probably a cut in in most formats where you just don't have the depth to hold on. So here's a good question for you: Would you at all factor in how much you spent to get him? Honest answer is yes. Yes. The proper <laughs> answer is that. no. Yes, right. I agree. It shouldn't matter if you were. I got him in a league for like forty-five. So in an NFBC league, so I'm totally comfortable cutting him. If I yeah. in a different league, if I had spent one twenty-five, yeah, I would not want decision. to cut him, and it shouldn't sure. matter. Yeah, but it is. It it definitely is. I guess maybe it matters in the sense of it, it how much you bet on him three weeks ago or four weeks ago might have been indicative into how desperate you were for pitching. Yep. And maybe how desperate you are for pitching depends on whether you're going to hold them and, you know, cross your fingers versus like, no, I'm in good shape. I'm going to let him go. So maybe, maybe that's the only way it should factor in. But like you said, like human psychology is, yeah, some people are going to think like, I cannot get rid of him. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. All right. That's going to be what we're going to finish on tonight. Um, thanks everybody for tuning in, ch- jumping in, in the chat. Appreciate that. And everybody who's listening afterward, we thank you as well. Thanks to the Blue Wire Network for hosting. Uh, and James Anderson will be with us tomorrow. I believe it's the mailbag prospect edition. So should be a lot of good questions answered there. Thanks everybody for listening. Take care. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about, but why, what do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.